So just to remind all of us in this time where we where I brought the ministry, this ministry in the garden ministries to the Lord yesterday and um, and I remember the previous ministry was called Mercy Mission and the Lord told me to lay that down simply because most people wanted to take the truth and do something with it for themselves, it was about them and we had to completely dismantle that work and that is why I'm placing so much emphasis on getting rid of self because I've seen what happens when you teach the truth over and over but people want to eat the food for them uh, it must be about him and it must be about his, his body we're part of his body and we will grow as part of the body but it's not about us our faith is not about us uh, we've received every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in him and even the love of the father is in the beloved and the Father loves His Son. We are loved because we are in His Son. So we need to remind ourselves. He's involved in our lives because His purpose is to conform us to the image of His Son. So can you read for us th uh, again, all things work together for the good? Romans chapter 8. It's just a good time for us to remind ourselves that we... We're living in this unbelievable <coughs> reality where we get to know the Creator of heaven and earth. He reveals His Word to us. We, we've been filled with His Spirit and we're discovering how to live that out. And then He blesses us with fellowship with His body. This is the biggest blessing we can have while still in the flesh. We have all of that. That's our experience. This is the truth of what is really going on. And we need to remind ourselves. Verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Because, so that is where every time anybody quotes that piece of scripture, that's where they stop. Because somehow, people think they love God. And that's it, period, point. That's it. All things work together for the good of those who love Yahweh. It's true. But that's not the end of the sentence. And so our task, our mandate, is to go beyond that point where humanity likes to stop. Read the rest. This is our mandate, to go beyond that. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Read the purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's it. So that's the full thought pattern. That's the full message. Those who love God will allow the Spirit to conform us to the image of his Son. 
Anyone that's in the walk with God and the intent is not to be conformed to the image of his son, they don't love God. And that's where this name becomes vitally important. Because if we're willing to translate and change his name, then we're probably willing to change his image. And then we're probably willing to change his word, which humanity has proven they're willing to do, to suit us. Serve the Roman Greco God, or serve the true Son of God for who He really is. Now all things does not work together for the good of the one that doesn't want to be conformed to his image. They can prosper for a while on earth, but everything is about eternity. This is only 80 years for most. So one drop in the ocean, that were, that's what a lifetime measures. That's the value of a lifetime against eternity. It's a little drop in the ocean. And so we cannot make a big deal out of this little period of time we spend here. It's for the purpose of being conformed to His image. And whoever I think I am today, that is going to be untrue in 10 years' time if I'm being conformed to his image. So we can't become nothing in our own heads. We've got to take a slow walk to freedom. Slow walk to freedom, little by little. And he did say, go and baptize them in my name. How many people across the world and the last 50 years has been baptized in His name? So few. Yet <coughs> I also got saved by the other name. But He didn't leave us there. He's restoring truth to us. So let's continue to pray. Let's remember these are the, th the main things that we are praying for. To see His name restored so that his people can be safe in the last days. In the last days, everything will revolve around the name. Everything. Please read the scripture that says they'll be killed. So, I'm hoping that we're all still praying for that. Praying about that. On a daily basis. We can get used to knowing His name. We can get used to using His name, praying His name. Why would someone know the true name of the Son of God and, and choose to use a nickname at best? Or a profaned name? Why would someone do that? 
self-interest. That's the answer. That's the only reason. Self-interest. Um, you don't have to page there. It's just one verse in Matthew 24, verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Hated by all nations for my name's sake. That's the thing that's going to happen in the last days. So, do you understand that if we are going to live in the time of the last days, you using His true name is going to qualify you for this wonderful future. Can you go to Revelation? Are you there? Can you read it to us? Why? I want to reinforce this. We're in, a, we're in a time right now where the Lord is just reminding us that we are looking at the principles, we are getting to, we, a lot of the teachings we've done is to understand our, ourselves, to understand what my brain does, why am I so stupid most of the time, that's what we're busy doing, okay, anybody here never think, why the heck don't I get it right? We're actually getting to understand what is causing us to stumble, what's causing us to be double-minded, what's causing us to be foolish, what's causing us to be forgetful. We're learning. We're learning. Because we have to become wise. But the basic stuff, the reason we're doing it, it's good that we remind ourselves of that. Because there has to be a good reason to put in this much effort. Because if you look at the world out there, it's so easy. It's a free gift. It's easy. You know? Because of this. Show us what's going to happen in the end time. <coughs> the beast. Mm. Okay. I'm just, there's a lot that's happening. Revelation chapter 13. <coughs> the beast arises from the sea. And then verse 5 says, And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name. So that's what the beast is identified in doing. He opens his mouth to blaspheme against Yahweh. The word God there is Yahweh, and to blaspheme against his name. Yes. Uh, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. So it sounds like the same thing that said in the previous thing. So he's going to go, he's the Antichrist spirit's agenda, his main plan, revolves around blaspheming the name of God. Yes, more? Um, <clears throat> and an authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So we know that it's a bleak picture in the end days. 
how does humanity, how does the world population get to that point? How the heck does humanity arrive at a place where everybody of every tongue and every nation, it's important that he says every tongue, every language, worships the beast. We went to Vietnam and they have gone from having a form of his true name to actually every church is changing it to the English translated name. In many churches in Africa, they used to call him Yesu, which was close to his name. They're all trans. They're making the transition to the other name, and it didn't matter a hundred years ago that much. But it's because been there was no option. Now it, it's starting to matter, and so I'm reiterating this so that we can remember to pray for this, to seek this, to intercede for this. Because now it's not an obscure, unknown fact anymore. The world knows. Mm. Pastors all over the world has discovered that he had a Hebrew name. Now it's a choice. It never used to be a choice. <coughs> now it's a choice. And that making that choice is causing great men and women of God to fall away. Because the moment they can know a lot of truth. The question I've been asking is, how does some of these giants in the Lord, how do they fall? Why are they falling? Why are they falling into compromised doctrine, truth? They encounter the name and they make a decision to reject it. You can't go past that. No matter who you are. So that's where we're at. And we're going to talk about positioning and identity with the outcome today. Right, yes? I'm going to read a verse that we actually wanted to read last week. It's also in Revelation, which links us nicely. Okay. And this is just in the previous chapter, chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. And that's why we are placing so much emphasis on developing a true witness, a true daily witness, a steadfast identity, steadfast character, in line with what he has done for us and in us. So we, we've been talking about self-awareness, the uh, term that was actually created and coined by psychology just become a, an idea. The world takes ideas and then it becomes whatever people think it is for them. And so we wanted to make sure that everybody understands that when we refer to self-awareness, we're referring to the positive ability, the positive skill mm -hmm. that we can establish, we can, uh, we can 
cultivate, cultivate the ability to self-evaluate, to, to look at my thoughts and my emotions from the spirit, from a distance, to observe, it's the ability to observe what I'm doing and what I'm saying. Why am I doing it? Why am I saying it? So, you see, nobody can get, we said last week, nobody can get actually get saved without that ability. So it's, it's an ability that goes hand in hand with repentance. You wouldn't be able to repent if you didn't use this ability. Can't fix something that you are unaware of that is broken. But now we know that we've become aware of the fact that there could be confusion because there's the negative self-awareness, the, the one that most of the world is aware of. Now, to to help us understand, there's vanity. Vanity is a better term for that negative thing that we tend to call self-awareness. It's an, the, we're talking about the awkwardness, the awkward mm. self-awareness. That's vanity. Vanity is not healthy. So vanity is being aware of yourself, comparing yourself to others or comparing yourself to a worldly standard, a self-created standard. That's the self-awareness idea that most people have. So they think that's self-awareness. It's vanity or pride or covetousness. Now those are all things that the Bible considers to be sinful. So the Bible referred to some aspects of self-awareness from ages ago. Vanity, covetousness. Solomon writes a whole letter about vanity. Yes. And so there is the negative, but we're not talking, we're referring to cultivating a positive aspect of it mm. that helps an us repent. Uh, repent, huh? Yeah, an ability. An ability. This is an ability that we want to cultivate. And now, because we have been recreated, renewed, forgiven, and because we understand that we should walk in the Spirit and not in self, this ability should be a safe ability. If, this, if cultivating this, looking at yourself, leads you to the negative self-awareness, there's something really wrong. Now read, the, there's now no condemnation scripture in its wholeness. Okay, we're going to read the whole of Romans chapter 8. <laughs> okay, from verse 1. <coughs> While we're paging, I just want to say something small. Um, Generally, especially in a church setup, when the word psychology is used, especially in our kind of circles, we tend to tense up and go, yuck, psychology. Um, obviously, most of the solutions that psychology would have come to over the years would have been based on the average human being and their responses. But um, before that, 
psychology we must also remember is a study of the human psyche Mm -hmm. and the way the mind works the way emotions work the way everything works together and it's not all um, wrong in terms of the study and what they found it's the it's generally the way they solved it or the way they interpreted it that we don't always agree with but as something like self-awareness is is a valid um, discovery mm-hmm. if I can put it that way and especially in context to us if we apply it correctly and healthily and from the spirit then there's no reason for it to necessarily be unsafe you see, yeah, what Christians have done often is they just reject all the knowledge that's been accumulated over generations mm-hmm. by observers. People dedicated themselves to learning and discovery. Everything we know we've learned. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't want to do that. We want to just contrast it against the Word of God, <laughs> the truth, and then keep what makes sense and agrees with the Word of God. Or whatever doesn't agree with the Word of God we learn from. We can identify the negative and the positive. Remember, if we can learn to understand our fleshly beings, then we can actually learn how to rule over it. Mm-hmm. But if we have no idea what's going on, it gets a bit tricky. But why do we want to uh, go on this journey of understanding us? Because Satan understands us. And he uses it against us all the time <laughs> freely so we're just going to talk about that again just a, a, a world view that includes the last 6,000 years okay if we can see the big picture then we can figure out what's happening right now right here and the big picture isn't that complicated okay so we're going to talk a little bit about what we spoke Mm. where his understanding comes from. So he comes, we cannot forget, he comes from the kingdom of heaven. That's where he has his origin. And he was called, is it in Isaiah, Ezekiel? I always get mixed up. I think it's Isaiah. Like he was the wisest of them all. He was watching over the throne of God. So this creature comes to earth and he encounters man in its infancy. No technology, very little knowledge. But he comes from the kingdom of heaven. We cannot even understand what he knows at that stage. So the internet is not a novel idea to him. It's what he's going to do, his whole structure, the spiritual structure between demons is a structure of information, communication. That's how they operate. So this is how it originally works. Imagine somebody in their home in 1620. There's no telephones, there's no internet. No light. But all a demon has to do is there's demons everywhere. They observe and they let each other know what's going on. They have the original internet going on up there. Web. (laughs) Okay. They can accumulate. We have. There's no way for us to know what 
intellect they possess. We, we, we're going to talk about the fallen angels. Let's just... Because we have no information regarding the common demon, because we have observed from them, they act like scared little Rats. vermin. That's how they act. But don't apply that idea to the fallen angels. A third of the angels were dragged down to earth by the dragon. These are angels. So don't underestimate them. What intellect they possess, there's no way for us to even imagine it. And they come to earth. And they encounter man still discovering fire. Okay, we've got a massive disadvantage. Yeah. <laughs> like the wheel was a big deal. <laughs> Okay, so this is where we start our big contest. A third of the angels. Now, if there's 10,000 times 10,000 angels flying around the throne singing, how many angels were fallen and cast down to earth? There's a lot of them. And they know things. I mean, if there is technology that's still going to exist in a hundred years time if the Lord doesn't come back, they know these things. Does that make sense? And here they are with us on earth and we're still amazed by fire. And so Satan starts a plan that he's going to continue to pursue unwaveringly for 6,000 years, generation after generation. And so all he has to do is pass on little bits of information to the right individuals at the right time. Nudge, the, nudge humanity in the right direction. And poof, we have Hollywood. So he's been systematically putting things in place to work towards that end game, the end plan that we see in the book of Revelation, systematically. Now, if we were more clever, and if we were at all more dependable, we would have arrived at that point long ago. Imagine his struggle with humanity. His frustration. No, he's frustrated. No wonder he hates us this much. I mean, if I've been working with humanity Dumb. for 6,000 years, I wouldn't love them dead. either. Okay? <laughs> so God is gracious and long-suffering, so God is still patient with us. But Satan is probably, if he had here, he's no longer there. He's probably pulled out every last strain by now. It must have been a frustrating process, but he steadily is getting us there. Look, to get us to murder each other, that's easy. First generation. In the back. <laughs> but that's not all he wants to do. He wants to steal our innocence, our virtue. He wants to get humanity to forget everything about God. And then he's got to work towards that end plan. Now, 
he knows there's a big wall coming. The only chance he has is by getting us to create. Now, he can't leave us at the place where we're using bows and arrows if we're going to be mustered as a whole to wage war against God. So he has to get us to a certain point of sophistication. Now, I'm telling you this for a reason. He has studied us. Not only has He studied us as humanity, He has been educating us, forming us. Helping to There's shape no way for us to even understand how He has shaped the minds and the ideas of humanity as a whole. How much does humanity have in their collective psyche that didn't come from Satan? That's the question we have to ask. Most of what we think and know, most of what we think about ourselves, was probably taught and insinuated by Him. And we in our generation, here we are, 2021, <laughs> and we have this massive... task of figuring out what the truth is. When he's been telling us what to think and what to know for, from generation to generation. Okay, I want us to look at this and realize that we cannot fall asleep on the job. And we don't know if there's anybody else on earth today that's actually pursuing to really understand what's going on. We only know what we see in this room. You might say, well, the, the Christians find solace and safety in the idea that there's a big church and millions of Christians praying. But we've seen what that leads to. Satan gathers a stadium full of deceived people that don't even know what's written in this book, and he gets them to do exactly the opposite of what the Word says. That's how easy it is for him. Someone has a brilliant idea to get people together to pray, and then they go and make a whole lot of vows when the Lord Himself says, Do not make vows. That's how easily Satan just musters and utilizes those who think they are believers. So we are vulnerable. And if we don't learn, before we try and learn about him, we want to, we want to understand us. We want to see where our vulnerabilities is. Why can he use us like he does? Make sense? Because if we can understand where our vulnerabilities lie and we can replace the foolishness with wisdom and we can start to replace every lie with truth darkness with light then we have something to pass on to generations that come after us because what we've received from the ones that came before us we've got no idea how much of it to trust and we've received good things I mean, thank God for Luther and guys like that. But Luther were literally 
looking at little bits of truth. But what he did was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Do you understand that Luther, Luther, the man that, together with others, led us into freedom, probably didn't understand 10% of the Word of God, 10% of what we understand, probably what he had to work with. That places a huge responsibility on our shoulders. Because if he could do what he did and rise up against the beast with the little bit that he had revelation of, what are we supposed to be doing? <coughs> so we, the Lord wouldn't allow us to have glimpses of the truth if he wasn't going to use it for something. And now we're in the place where we first got to figure out where, why are we so foolish? We've got to get to understand it. Why do I fall asleep so easily? Okay. Now, see, this is the point in t time when I want to make sure that we're not just teaching you guys this and you're actually not going to want to fight the war. So, are we supposed to, do you want to know about you? Is this something you want to learn? Is it interesting? Are you finding it interesting? I just want to check. Do you really want to know about you? Do you really want to see what's going on? And remember, not just for interest's sake. Mm. The responsibility would be to do something with that information. You've got to understand that Satan is working with pre-existing mindset in humanity and that is that we like to be deceived <laughs> okay check with yourself ignorance is are you hearing what I'm saying we love ignorance we don't want to know most of humans don't want to know you hold up to the mirror they close their eyes they don't want to know and we want to replace, we want to, at the moment we take the lie away, we want to find a new way to put the lie there. And so let's just check with ourselves, are we still in that place where we're making decisions? We want to know the truth, we want to get rid of the lie no matter how much it hurts us. Okay, that's still what we're doing. Because we can't have Bible study and not want the truth. Now, it might sound silly when I say it, but you've got to understand that every week, thousands of people gather together and they, stay, they say they're going to do Bible study, but they're not off the truth. <coughs> okay. So, self-awareness. Self-awareness. Let's use little very simple examples. Self-awareness is the ability to know that you just fell asleep two minutes ago and you didn't stay awake. And then, have the ability to do something about it. 
Because if you fall asleep in church, you're not going to know what's happening, which means Satan is going to be able to take you out. Or are you still telling yourself you're going to be fine? Are you going to be okay? Long term. Self-awareness is when you know you're falling behind. So the Holy Spirit gives us clear instruction, teaches us every week. Every week the Holy Spirit teaches us things. And you know in the back of your head you're falling behind and you're not going to do anything about it. Are you going to be okay long term? No. Oh. That's self-awareness. The good, the good way, the good self-awareness. Okay, there's areas in some people's lives that are sitting here where you haven't made clear decisions when it comes to truth yet. And you know it. Self-awareness is the ability to actually admit it to yourself. So do you want to take a moment with yourself? So these teachings are literally survival 101 on the battlefield. This is how we're going to survive. The enemy is literally betting everything he has on the fact that even if you know that you're not doing the right thing, you're still going to do the wrong thing. He's betting everything he has on it because he knows humanity. That's what we do. Even if God says, wake up, this is what's happening, we're going to ignore it. <laughs> and Satan knows we're going to ignore it. But we have this example. Once the whole world, once upon a time, the whole world was Catholic. Everyone was bowing down to idols. The entire world lost the knowledge of God. And okay. we have an example. We have an example where something happened. A whole lot of people woke up <coughs> and did something about it. And they changed everything. For a little while. And then the Protestant church just became another version of the Catholic church again. And now, the Holy Spirit is trying to do exactly the same thing. And we look back at Martin Luther and we go, wow, I want to just remind you that you are the same group of people that we see back then called to do the same thing with the same challenges. That's what we are. And not because we <coughs> think we're special, 
just because that's what it is. Now, if now I bet you back then Satan would have come to to Luther and said, "Who do you think you are? Do you really think you're that special?" Oh, without a doubt, especially if you're the only one. Really, really, who Easy do you think target. you are? And the few others. Imagine the old lady that was just, you know, seeing that this needed to be done. The guy that decided to translate the Bible. I mean, you should look at the first transcripts. There were so many spelling mistakes. But they did it. With the abilities they had, they did it. And with the biblical revelation that they had. And that's why we're teaching on self-awareness. I believe it's one of those aspects that's going to make all the difference in the world. So we want to get rid of self because the Bible says walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Live in the spirit. But just because we don't have to engage self doesn't mean that now that we're in the spirit there isn't a self-awareness. There's a spiritual self-awareness. There's the perspective from eternity. And that's why positioning becomes so, so important. So there is a positioning and there's an identity that needs to be established. And if we learn to respond from that place. So what, who we are in theory after being saved, if that becomes reality, and we can take that spiritual reality and actively be in that and live it out. That's what he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. I want to reinforce that picture. Yes. So everybody's saying, let your kingdom come. What does it mean? It's you. It's not going to come somewhere else. When you pray, let your kingdom come, what are you praying? It's either you or don't pray the prayer. Did you hear that? When you say, when you pray, let, don't pray the Lord's prayer if, you don't, if you're not going to become that place where the kingdom is coming. But what does it mean? What does it mean, actually? It means we're going to have to become aware and awake and wise. <clears throat> it doesn't mean anything else. The kingdom of God is not at fault with a lot of people sleeping on the trees. Imagine how awake people are there. Or whatever they are that live there. You can't call them people anymore. They imagine are how awake they are. <laughs> Can you imagine for a moment how awake, how aware Moses is right now, where he is. And he was aware when he was on earth. Okay, think about Moses on earth leading the Israelites. How aware would this guy have been? How sharp, that's what we call it today, how sharp would this guy be? I think if we met Moses, we'd be blown away. This guy was leading 2.2 million Israelites. Have you read the system that God puts in place for them when they have to set camp? Back up camp, move out. The whole 
tabernacle service. What 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 would this guy be like, Moses? He would be a scary, scary, scary guy to be around. He would he would be so awake. Is there any possibility that as a resurrected son or daughter of God that we should be anything less? Okay, we don't know about identity yet. If you are a son or a daughter of God, do you have any excuse to be anything less than what Moses would have been if we can start to imagine that? King David, I mean, you read what he writes. I mean, this guy was awake. He was awake. He was acutely awake. Samuel. I often have thought that I'd like to meet Samuel, but I think I'm too scared to meet him still. <laughs> Abraham. Do we understand that Abraham lived in antiquity? I mean, these guys, all they knew was they kept animals. They had... I mean, that's what they knew. They lived in tents made of animal skins. I think Abraham would have been sharper than anybody alive today. Mm. This guy, this guy would have been acutely awake. The thing that we're seeing in the world is that Satan wakes up people on, the, in an, on another level. We have the Bill Gateses and those guys. These guys are awake. Mm. They're not awake to truth. Mm. Satan can wake people up on another level. Mm. <coughs> that's the scary thing and I look at God's people and they're fast asleep people that say they're filled with the spirit there's no idea what's happening around them so that's why we're talking about this thing called self-awareness we have to stop practicing it don't just hear the teaching and move on practice it practice it because we need to be awake Now read the scripture, it says he doesn't touch us. 1 John chapter 5 verse 18 says, We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. There's the key. Can you read that again please? We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. How did we intend to keep ourselves? And if we don't keep ourselves, then does it mean the wicked one can touch us? The evidence says yes. It says if you've been born of God, you keep yourself. You can, at least. But no, Christianity wants God to send angels and angels do this. And the Bible says, John says, John, this is John. If anybody knows what's happening, it's John. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I think uh, so out of everyone that exists in the Bible, I think this guy scares me the most. Look, John knew things. And if John was things. And John says, everyone, everyone born of God. Now, evidence around me says, is there anybody born of God? Because nobody keeps themselves. Mm. And it says the wicked one doesn't touch them. And Christians are always running around saying, I'm under attack, I'm under attack. Just because you're not keeping yourself. Exactly. <laughs> pray for me, I'm under attack. No, I'm not going to pray for you, keep yourself. I'll get reborn. Choose. Okay, so this is what the Word of God really says. And if we don't keep ourselves, what then? Do you really want Satan to touch you? No. The answer is no. That was a rhetorical question. The answer is always no. You see, when God said to Adam and Eve, if you, in the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. The reason they weren't scared to eat of the tree is because they had never experienced death. So the warning was difficult to heed because they didn't understand what he was talking about. The consequences were unfathomable. And that's our biggest problem. Early, early, early days when I was just getting to know the Lord. I got saved. I didn't go to church because I spent time with Him. He taught me stuff. And I remember sitting on my little single bed, crossed legs like this. And I was just chatting with Him. I was just having, I mean, He was answering my questions. And without thinking, I said to Him, what is how? Man, did I regret asking that question. <laughs> when I came to my senses, I was lying next to the bed on the carpet scratching literally uh, screaming at the top of my lungs and you know what he did he just removed his presence from me for a split second that's all he did i didn't see fire i didn't see anything else i just felt what it was like when he removed his presence from me for a split second that was enough i don't know how i got from the bed to the carpet to the floor but it was horrible i'll never forget the experience you know why because hell is the absence of hope. Hell is the absence of Him. No hope. No solace. No possibility for anything ever being right again. The rest of it we don't want to even understand. So, our biggest problem is we just don't understand. The danger we're in. We don't understand the game that is going on around us, the war that is happening around us all the time. We don't understand it. And we actually think we can get away with it. That's what I'm, I'm looking at. I'm looking at. See, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the generations that will come mm. after us. And you need to have these pieces of information in you because if you don't teach it to other people, then they'll never know. And I'm speaking it into the spiritual realm so that it can 
have a place on earth so others can enter into it. That's what I'm doing. I'm not actually speaking to you. Because we probably have devoted ourselves a little bit more than most to the truth. Okay, so we know there's going to be a generation in the end times that's going to be wide awake. We know they're going to be there. I want to be one of them. I'm not quite sure if I'm awake enough yet, personally. So I'm looking to wake up more. The Lord has woken us up. We started seeing the world for what it is. But every now and then the deception just wants to close in on us again. So let's remind ourselves that everything around us is props. Do you still remember that? Every good person you meet that's not in Messiah probably has a demon with him. Do we remember that? If he's not in Messiah, he cannot be good. What is a person if he doesn't have truth in him? So I know it's horrible to know the truth. But we have to know the truth because the person that's been born again keeps himself and the evil one doesn't touch him. Now, I have stared into that guy's eyes. I know how scary he is. You don't want him to come anywhere near you. Believe me, I've never been so scared in my life. And he didn't come anywhere near me. He just looked at me. That was enough for me. I want nothing to do with him. He's scary. And he's been around for ages. The only place that's safe is in the presence of the Lord all the time. Mm-hmm. When, the, when the Bible says walk in the Spirit, it's, it's not a good idea. It's not just another good idea. It's the only safe place. Live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Can we really afford not to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit? Now, is there anybody here that hasn't been hurt by life? Hurt by life. How much does anxiety hurt? How much does fear actually hurt? How much does self-disappointment and condemnation hurt? (coughs) We get hurt. We're so used to getting hurt that we don't mind it anymore. When are we going to decide, I don't want to hurt anymore? I want to hurt. Has anybody experienced the joy of the Lord? Why would we not choose that as our life experience? The joy of the Lord. Okay, now we can go to the teaching. What did you want to read? We wanted to read Romans chapter 8. Oh, we were still there. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was going to quickly say something while we page. (laughs) Uh, There's now no condemnation. Yes, Romans chapter. Mm. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Messiah Yahushua, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Messiah Yahushua has made me free from the law of sin and death. So there's a law over us. 
There's a law over us. Do we still remember the law? Are we still acutely aware on a daily basis of the law that we should be fulfilling on a daily basis? All the time. What's the law? Read the law. The law of the spirit of life in Messiah, Yosha. It's a law. The law of the spirit of life in so when we refer to things like positioning, it's not even a negotiable. We, we want to bring these truths and these principles back to very big reality. It's just reality. It should just be reality. We're putting words to it. We gi we're giving it... Definition. Definition, thank you. That's what I was looking for. We're giving a definition. We're using words to speak about something that should just be real. That's where we really are if you've been baptized into Messiah. Now when we talk about in overcoming, seeing that flood us and washing away everything else, we want to increase the frequency to a place where it's happening all the time. What will happen is, you'll become sharp as a knife or a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. It's when the flooding of everything, remember you are in Him, seated in Him. You know all things, you understand all things. Wisdom shouldn't be an obstacle for us. But we fall asleep so easily. So we need to renew our minds all the time. Exactly. Exactly. That's 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 one of the big commandments that we take seriously. What is renewing the mind? Uh, water. Can you organize us something? <laughs> ah, that's a wonderful example. <laughs> that's What's in this glass? <laughs> Okay, you give me this this bottle. Thank you. Okay. All the lack thereof. Okay, now glass. Oh yeah. So so this. It's a valid example. So if we talk about renewing the mind, let's just redefine it. Let's remind ourselves. Oh, I've read the Bible. Look. <laughs> that's, that's the guy that quotes the three verses at you. He goes, "All things work together for good to those who love God." Yeah. So that's it. That's not renewal of the mind. That's having a drop. But the thing is, I've got to ask you, most people, their knowledge of the Word of God and the ways of God looks like this. So they don't have nothing. But now, the rest of the glass, is it empty? It's filled with something. It's filled with gas. It's not empty. There's air in it. And the only way to get the air out is you've got to fill it with water to them. That's renewal of the mind. Because the problem is, we have truth, but the rest of our minds are not empty. It's filled with something. So this bottle is full of water. Now, if this was the knowledge of the Word of God, so the actual understanding of what the Word of God says, then this would be the person that can walk in the Spirit. Mm. So that's renewal of the mind. To renew the mind, you first have to get rid of what else is in there. 
what, what Christians do is they want to add a little bit of scripture on top of everything else they think they know. That's why it's not working. So the Word of God says, do not worry about the day of tomorrow. Where's the but? In that scripture. Except in the case of... <laughs> See what renewing of the mind is supposed to be. The Word of God says, do not worry about the day of tomorrow. We're only going to start really renewing our mind when we just look at what the Word says and we accept it for what is no but. <coughs> That's the first step. The Word of God says. But there's other pieces of scripture that has to be has to be linked together with that. Because the Bible then speaks to the parable of the coins. There the Lord tells us something needs to happen. He's mm. going to give you a coin and you've got to go and mm. trade. trade with it. And if you don't trade, there's consequences. So now, just saying I'm, I shouldn't be worried about anything... Not enough, because there's other things in the Bible. It doesn't make sense. But the, just when it comes to renewing the mind, is we've got to replace whatever's in there with understanding the Word of God, bit by bit, until it's only the Word of God that's... So renewing the mind, thank you for bringing that up, we have a thing called full measures. That's that bottle of water. It's whenever we read anything in the Bible, we apply full measures. Which means we're going to take it to its ultimate degree. So when the Bible says, okay, so righteousness. Can you be 99% righteous? Are you righteous if you're 99% righteous? Then you're unrighteous. You're still unrighteous. Wow. Until you're 100%. So now the Bible says that He imputes righteousness to you. So you are His. The Bible actually says we are His righteousness. But if I'm 99% righteous, I'm no longer righteous. So it means 100%. That's full measures. It's only for us to not only believe it, but to adjust our person, not our actions, our person to that. But also without the actions. But there's a step in between reading the truth and actually living the truth, and that is what we're busy looking at now. We actually have to get to know what is happening in this computer of ours. Um, I'm convinced this is how, and again, 
it's not that oh well why only now we're introducing this it's i'm sure if you've thought about it you're realizing this isn't new it's just a different way of saying what we've been saying Mm. but we can't attain it would be impossible to attain perfection without this ability So what if we are saying that we can be aware all the time? Did God really create us to be... What is that space that we go into when we just don't know what we think? Because that's where humanity is living. Limbo. encountered people that good, nice, clever, intelligent, successful people, but every time you talk to them, they tell you the same story. And after story number 120, you go like, how do you not realize that you tell this story to everyone, everywhere you go? Is the story even real anymore? You know? Have you seen people do that? It doesn't matter who they encounter, whether they go to the doctor or it's their friend, they tell them that story. That's the lack, absolute lack. And we see it around us, and you go like, what space does normal people go into and live in? That's the matrix. I don't know, that's the closest thing I've ever seen on earth. To describe it and we are now woken up and all we want to do most days is go back into the matrix mm. it's so comfortable and we have to make decisions no i am actually going to wake up more and then waking up hurts we call it separation the word holy means separate separated so to become holy means to become more separated Separated from your own thoughts, your own ideas, the ideas of the world around you. Okay. It only hurts because we keep falling asleep. Surely Mm. if we kept going, it wouldn't hurt as much. True. It hurts because we're discovering everything that I thought I was is a lie. Everything I thought to people around me is is a lie. Mm. Only real thing on planet Earth is donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Only thing you can trust <clears throat> to be what you thought it is. It's the matrix. It's a donut. There's no lies surrounding donuts. It is fatty and oily. It has no nutritional value whatsoever. It doesn't whatsoever. pretend to be anything it doesn't else. Doesn't pretend to be a vegetable. <laughs> you can trust a donut to, to be, be a donut. In any way. <laughs> And you can trust a person that's not spiritual to be ungodly. Right? Okay. Jeez, when you say it like that, kind of harsh. Mm-hmm. Kind of harsh. Mm-hmm. Let's 
wipe the board out and will you explain to us what's happening here? You see, everything we just said is not only for our own survival. It's that elusive spiritual myth called witness. Okay. So we know to understand the Bible, we spent the first three years, you and then us, spent the first three years of this ministry defining the building blocks. Right? Foundational building blocks, also known as the eternal truths and the mysteries. And we said that, so if you know all of them, if you have a revelation and understanding of all of them, then you should be able to understand any part of the Bible. Now, <coughs> Lynette, has anybody ever told you you can actually understand the whole Bible? Do you think? Nobody's told me that. We actually maintain that any spiritual believer should know and understand the whole Bible. So, you know what? I'm, I'm amazed when people get mad with me for it. So, I claim to know and understand the whole Bible. People find it offensive. I'm a pastor. Aren't I supposed to know the Bible and understand it? Mm. So people actually become offended when they hear me say that. They go like, nobody can know the whole Bible. Who says? How do you think? How did Satan plant the seed in the human consciousness to make us believe that nobody can know the Word of God? What logic? Why does it sound so illogical when we say it now? Of course we're supposed to know and understand the whole Bible. I'm the son of God. It's my inheritance. Mm. It's as simple, simple as that. We say it prophetically and it breaks the stronghold of the lie. So similarly, similarly to that concept, the entire Word of God, the entire Bible, can be summed up in two main streams, main thoughts. And these are, I'm going to draw it like this. The plan and overcoming. <coughs> Which means that, and this doesn't replace, this doesn't uh, accumulatively summarize the building blocks. This isn't something else will go, oh, if you just know these, then the building blocks don't matter. <laughs> okay? But basically, anywhere you read in the Bible, it's going to come down to one or the other or both in the big picture. Okay. And contained within these, there are 
subcategories, for lack of a better word. <clears throat> if you want me to write, I don't know. Should I do one at a time? No, you can write all of them down, otherwise it won't make sense. So the plan and overcoming, and then we have an in this order. Salvation, positioning, identity, value system, outcome, and witness. And basically, oh sorry, let me just show the people in the cloud. <laughs> I don't know if you can see cloud people. The glory cloud. So to remind everyone that from the first moment you guys met me, mm. I said that everything we're going to do, we're going to do uh, as discovering the plan of God. So the Bible is His plan. He's trying to... Basically, all of this is he's trying to make his plan known to us, trying to reveal his plan to us. That's what the Bible is. God has a plan. He calls us to become part of the plan. And his plan is not just to get a whole bunch of people, as many as possible, into heaven. It's not a recruitment agency. But the church has become a recruitment agency. That's not the plan. Because <coughs> if God just wanted to save people, I'm sure there would be a shorter, most more effective way to get that done. So the plan. Figuring out what the plan is. That's, that's, our, that's our big plan. <laughs> our plan for our faith walk is we're going to figure out the plan. Good plan. <laughs> and the overcoming bit is once we understand parts of the plan, we want to enter into mm. the plan. That's the overcoming bit. So Easy. initially we drew it, I'll, we'll tell you why we drew it like that later, but initially it was just drawn like this. Plan. Overcoming. So the idea would be the more of the plan you know, the more you would overcome. It all converts into one. The more you overcome, the more of the plan you should know. So where do we all come from? We started off over there, where the biggest gap is between the two. Where I knew nothing about the plan, and so overcoming was an impossibility. So we've got to draw 
understanding and knowing the word of God closer to my life experience and it should converge more and more. Can't overcome without actually getting to understand the plan. Make sense? But now grace, our understanding of grace is that grace are continually like a wind tunnel bringing the finished work with other words when the plan has in eternity come together and it is fulfilled bringing that toward me and I'm you cannot stop moving through time there's nothing you can do you can sit still hold on to something solid you're going to move through time there's nothing you can do to stop it so you're literally busy moving through time and by moving through time you're moving towards something you're moving towards eternity there's nothing you can do to stop it always moving towards eternity and so we're not just blindly moving towards something grace is busy bringing that towards us so there's a lot of people that are just losing time not moving towards fulfillment. Because we are in Messiah, grace is bringing the reality of us in Messiah closer and closer every day. So grace is going to bring every day's full plan for your life as part of the body to you. The more awake we are, the more we can actually live it out. Does it make sense? Guys, do we still remember this? Yeah. Minimal effort. Just stay awake. What happens when we cultivate an ability to live the biggest portion of our consciousness in the day in God's perfect world? What kind of a life would that be? And it's, it's not a, an airy-fairy, super-spiritual idea. It's moment-to-moment moment going, who am I, who should I be, who do I want to be, and respond according to that. And it doesn't take a lot of effort. It's like a river flowing. But in order to flow we've got to get all the other stuff out of the way. Okay, so. So guess why we drew it like this? Grace. So this is grace. Okay, salvation is resurrection, is New Jerusalem, is eternal life, is Messiah. Okay, what, did he, what is salvation? He had to get rid of your sin so you could be in Him. Because with your sin you can be in Him. That's as easy as it is. Okay, salvation is He justified us. Made us new. To glorify us. Okay. Now that we understand. 
What if your salvation was true all the time, every day? Just imagine for a moment, postulate. What if your salvation... So we know we're saved, been resurrected. What if your salvation was true every day, all the time? For one thing, I'd be happy, restful. Just that, I'd be restful. That's entering the rest of God. Okay. See, we we we're living in other realities because we approach life from another mindset with other ideas and with other concepts than just salvation. Then we we have other experiences, other realities. Because we approach life's challenges, life's realities with other ideas, other uh, plans than just salvation. We want to use other things to meet life with than just salvation. Okay, then, positioning. So we know about positioning. We've done positioning. What's positioning? We have been raised together with Messiah. So does Ephesians say we've been raised together with Him? So when were you raised, Lana? When were you resurrected? When I died. You were, you were resurrected together with Him. Mm-hmm. That happened 2,000 years ago. Yeah. You had to die, had to, die. To, be to your physical being to come into the reality of being raised with Him. See, He couldn't be resurrected from death and then come back all the time to come and resurrect you and you and you and you and you. Which <laughs> means he's running up and down collecting people. <laughs> so just by salvation and positioning, your entire life have been plucked out of this world's reality into eternity. If we start living it out. Okay then, identity. Okay, so Jason, if salvation in its fullness, but other words, he saved you from all that you were, and your positioning is that you were raised with together with him, your name was written in the book of life before the foundations of the earth. Um, how much of an identity do you have? Nothing yourself. It's like nothing that you know about yourself is true. Mm-hmm. Yet, you do exist in Him. Mm-hmm. So the more we can find out about who we are in Him, and the way to do that is by finding out who He is, the more you can discover who you are. 
and you can have your true identity. Okay, identity. That's what sons and daughters of God. Now that's why the book of Romans says the whole creation is groaning and waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Okay. Then the value system is all the instruction parts of the Bible. Okay. Value system is all the instruction parts of the Bible. All that's true. And good and right. Now, if we... Okay. Manas, do you, do you believe you've been saved? <coughs> Prove it. Can I use your little illustration? You can. Okay, so <coughs> if my witness is salvation, then the outcome will be my positioning, and then my value system will be my determined identity. Very good. You figured it. You figured it out. Are you, are you spiritual? <laughs> I think you just proved to me that you are the same. Wasn't that the question? <laughs> okay, guys. Now you see what this leads to. If our witness, our daily witness, is not lining up with the outcome of the value system and the identity that we should have in him and positioning then what does that say about our salvation can't not line up joshua if you Stopped eating for six months. You said stopped eating and he already went panic. And then you said six <laughs> months and he went like, no. <laughs> Can we do an experiment? You're not allowed to eat anything. <laughs> for three drink days. Drink anything but water for six months. What? Can we see how you do afterwards? How are you going to do? We'll know very soon. But <laughs> hmm? No, I didn't say you're supposed to stay alive. I just said you're supposed to <laughs> stop eating. You said you're only allowed to drink water. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so before Should you, you die, still before just you water. Die, <laughs> what, before you die, what will start happening to you? I'm going to have fatigue. Because I don't have fatigue. fatigue. You'll pass out, yeah. go into a coma. Mm. Get really sick, most likely. you'll go into a coma. Yes. You'll fall first fall asleep often. Then you'll get to walk too weak to walk. <laughs> so one of the reasons we keep falling asleep is what? Malnutrition. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but the opposite can be true. We can eat too much junk food and then go into a coma as well. 
Hey guys, we're just common sense stuff. Okay, so witness, 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 witness. The witness is going to let everybody around you know what you've been eating. Have you ever met a grossly overweight person that claims they don't eat a lot? How is that physically possible? You cannot increase in matter if you don't actually consume something to increase you in matter and volume. I don't care what anybody says. You can maybe... Your physical proportions might change because of medical conditions, but you can't increase to 200 kilograms if you don't eat. Physically impossible, but a lot of grossly overweight people maintain, I don't eat a lot. That makes sense. And I find that so-called believers maintain I've been in the Word, I am faithful in the Word, and then their witness says, I'm acting out of the flesh and not the Spirit. What's wrong with the picture? Okay, so, the plan is what we need to make sure we understand. The plan is to be conformed to the image of His Son and for His Son to be fully formed in us. That's the plan. Everything in the Bible is about that. Right? So, what was the plan with Abraham? God calls him out of his family. For what purpose? going to lead him to the promised land, give him an inheritance and uh, fulfill the big plan through him, the Messiah. What was the plan with Moses? Promised land. What's the plan with you? To get to heaven one day? He wants to lead you in his promises, to his promises. He wants to lead you into His promises. What's His promises? Messiah-likeness. Okay. So everything that we do all the time should establish those things. If we are busy with Bible study and it's not confirming and solidifying our positioning, our identity, so we can't have, you can't have your own identity. Madness, you still remember when I told you God doesn't love you. <laughs> How do you feel about that? <laughs> so he loves his son and we are baptized into his son, so we are loved. Outside of his son, theoretically, I suppose he. No, he doesn't love you. <laughs> okay. So, the plan becomes our identity. 
And you can't be part of the plan if you're not going to overcome. So it's not difficult, it's not a big mission, it's not actually even that big a challenge. It just becomes a challenge when we get busy with our stuff. Mm -hmm. We bring our stuff in line with His plan for us, we overcome. We bring our stuff to the plan and make it line up with the plan, that's when we overcome. And all the overcoming rewards are about positioning and provision, isn't it? Seated with Him. He'll make you sit with Him on His throne just as He sat down with His Father on His throne. Yes? That's, uh where he said that if you're my servant, just do what you must do and afterwards I'll come and serve you. Sit down. Let's just do what you must do. Let's just do it. Every <coughs> day. Sorry, just that parable doesn't say afterwards he will. He says, should I afterwards come serve you? No, Read it for us. Read it for us. But you've got the right <laughs> idea. The idea is, Charlene, that we've just got to do the basic things every day according to the plan. And that's why the principles are there. It's when we try and do it in another way. We try and overcome in a different way. We try different strategies to do what we're supposed to do. And we love taking the long way around. We like to be in a process. We love the process of things. And you know, Christianity has capitalized on that, just like psychology has. Better to keep people in the process, because then they keep coming back and bringing their money with them. Instead of just getting to the result. Do you see? So, okay, we, even us, we have already fallen into too much of a process. Everything that we're doing, we could have, we could have finished most of it a long time ago, but we like the process. <coughs> overcoming. What is the word? Think about the word overcoming. Okay, what's the past tense of overcoming? What's the future tense of overcoming? Can anybody think of them? What's the future tense of overcoming? We'll be overcoming. <laughs> so what's the past tense of walk? Walk. What's the future continuous tense of walk? Walking. What's the past tense of overcoming? Okay. What's the future tense of overcoming? Pardon? Can't add a word. Okay. You're either overcoming or you're not. Basically what it falls under. The word is designed in such a way. Otherwise you just will overcome. Which means you're not. You're not just over. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, no, that's definitely past. <laughs> Thank you, Leon, for bringing us. Definitely past it. Leon, you hit the nail on the head. You're bringing us to the final part of this speech. It's almost over. <laughs> Over. So when was it over? Leon, when was it over? In the beginning. When, when, when you got baptized, that was when it was over. So your overcoming all came together in the baptism water. We're supposed to continue in what was fulfilled in baptism. Now, I want everybody to pause for a moment. Do we still remember what the state of being, what happened there, the days, two, three days after, everything seemed possible. Nothing seemed that, uh, the unbelievable was believable. Eternity was within reach. The renewal was nothing to think about. There was nothing to figure out. Think about it. Eternity was now. Eternity mm. was now. Just think about your baptism. <coughs> Salvation, positioning, identity, value system, outcome, witness, all in one go, and you didn't even do much yet. <laughs> That's the true baptism. True baptism. So the fact is, we have a witness. All of us have a witness. If we can just sort out the glitches in between, yeah. that's how easy it is. Not even difficult. It's not that difficult. It's the compromises that causes all the pain, mm -hmm. all the confusion. It's when we don't stick to what we know. <laughs> Guys, we. We have to do all these complicated studies, but in the end of that boils back to we've been there in the fullness. Mm. Seated with Him in heavenly places is not a mm. doctrine to us. <coughs> we've been there. We come from there. We've all and you didn't leave that positioning. Jason, you know, that's as true this moment as it was in the moments after you came out of the water. Still that true. Nothing changed. Nothing has changed. You just sense the facts so that we can bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Okay. Tell me more or less what we wanted to say. Mm. Nothing new. It's nothing new. We have to figure out what the computer is going to do. And it's still a computer. The spirit inside is renewed. It has to start to reign and rule over the rest of the fleshly being so that everything that's true there becomes true in our reality. And if I may add, that's why the whole, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Messiah. We do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Remember, very easily we can apply self-awareness and go, oh, I'm such a moron, and then go into condemnation. But the whole point of the exercise and of the ability is to objectively, it's like 
the spirit man looking at the flesh man and going, oh, that's interesting. Mm. I wonder how often you do this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait a minute, you're doing it again. Okay, I'm seeing a trend. Let's change it. So he did bring the Israelites out of Egypt, yes. I have a question. Mm. Um, the witness, uh, you did that uh, for the road, the narrow road. Yes. Um, is that your witness, that narrow road? Let's look at Yahushua quickly when he was on earth. The world seems to be so confused about what he came to do. Did he come to heal the sick? How many of those people that he healed actually got saved? We don't know. We just know that most of them left him. We see the key to that reality is that he came to prove that the Father's word is true. He came to do everything that was prophesied and fulfill it. Okay, so what does the Torah, the five first five books of the Bible, what is it about? What? What is the ways of God? Abel brings a lamb and he sacrifices it to God, and God finds it acceptable. There's the plan. Jesus came to prove everything in the Torah to be true. So what did he do? So this witness is that he believed the Father, obeyed the Father, and that it can be done. That's his witness. Hmm? And so our witness should just become that the Word of God is true. That's the witness. That's all that witness should ever be, that the Word of God is true. You're either renewed or you're not. In the end of the day, when a person walks away from spending time with you, his idea of you should be renewal. Mm-hmm. Renewal. New man. Mm-hmm. Salvation. What is salvation? So, that's the witness. person spent time with you, they go away with a picture of renewal. Renewal. That's witness. You don't have to quote any scriptures while talking to the person. You don't have to quote any scriptures. I don't quote scriptures when I talk to people. Don't do that. And yet people walk away and go like, this guy knows God. I don't never quote scriptures. I might speak in line with the scriptures, but I don't know I'm quoting scripture. Witness positioning. If a person spent time with you and they encountered someone that is in the world with all its problems and its stuff, then that's not a witness. But if they spend time with you and they go like, man, where's this person coming from? Why are they so different? Because of positioning. Please read the scripture. <laughs> <laughs> please, please, please. please. <laughs> Let's take a vote. 
<laughs> All in favour say aye. <laughs> okay, so um, John chapter 8 verse 14, Yahushua answered and said to them, Even if I be witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going. Wow, wow that's so much. Well done. <laughs> I love the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so does that uh, enlighten what witness is? So it's actually simple. And if I may, Haley, you were not wrong with your idea because if you go look at the Hebrew, like you go the big word for testimony and witness and you go down, 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 it, a true witness is, it literally comes down to the idea of the one who shows the safe path. So if we think of Yoshua being, he says his witness is true because he knows where he came from and he knows where he's going. He's just the one showing the road, showing the safe path back to the Father in everything that he does. So in that sense, yes, it's the straight road. And so our witness, if we have a good witness, then it's, I'm going to show the safe path. What should your witness show? What's the safe path? The Bible, the instructions, what the Bible says is my value system. It's the only value system that works. And the outcome is evident. When you talk to someone and the witness points to identity, not your identity, his identity, your positioning in him, and that will prove salvation. Mm -hmm. These things are all the same thing, actually. I'm in your so the Bible is no longer theory or doctrines or pieces of scripture. It's just truth. And my life should prove that it's true. So I can't say that I'm a believer and continue without overcoming fear, anxiety and worry. Can't. Not allowed to. Can't work. Can't work. We have to overcome those things. And so remember, this is all in relation to overcoming. That's why the witness is return, repeat, redo. Return, repeat, redo. We're safe when we don't do something else. And that's the simplicity of it. We've just got to return to what's true, return and redo. The, the God will sort the rest out. You're not supposed to sort the world out. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to return, repeat, redo. What is it? Mm -hmm. Salvation. Who is He? Mm -hmm. What does His Word say? That's all. That's our responsibility. That's our response to every challenge. You don't have to get exactly the right scripture when you're faced with a problem. You just have, you can grab any scripture, <laughs> and literally any scripture, and go like, that's true. Mm -hmm. God's word is true. And you will have breakthrough. Mm -hmm. Now obviously the more you know the scripture and understand, the safer you are, because it becomes a volume in you. But that's literally, that should, should be our response, is when we try and figure out new answers to problems, we get in trouble. Return, repeat, redo. That's witness. The Lord only died once. 
easy to remember the story. He was resurrected once and he's alive on the throne now. So we just have to return and repeat, we do. And that's why baptism becomes so important because I died and I'm resurrected. I don't care what the problem is. See, when we're willing to return and repeat, then the Holy Spirit is the one that comes and this is where wisdom comes in. This wisdom is when we we just do what we know we're supposed to do, because that's what wisdom is. Mm. Having the courage to do what is right. And the Holy Spirit will come with, out of the fullness of His finished work, come and give you the, the rest of the bit of understanding that you need. But when we start leaning on our own understanding, that's when we get in trouble. So return, repeat, redo. Return, repeat, redo. That must become a a mindset. So when the enemy or Satan came and said to Eve, consider the tree, she should have just grabbed some of the fruit of the tree of life and eaten it. She didn't need to figure out the answer to the temptation. There was already a tree that she was eating from. Do you see the I know it sounds simple. She should have just stayed in fellowship with God. Because fellowship with God is, remember, she never needed to figure anything out up until that moment. All she knew was whatever God said, that was it, that was enough. She should have just stuck to that. But she considered, I thought, oh, this looks good to eat. That's when she went wrong. Because now when you start considering, you've got to consider the whole. And the scenarios are too big for us. Mm. Let's go, oh, you say that tree is good to eat. Ah, I'm just going to eat the one I know. Tree of life, that's it. No more questions. Mm. She would have never found out what that tree was about. Mm. Didn't need to know. I didn't know. I don't need nuances. We don't need new answers. If you don't know the answer to a problem, go back to baptism. Okay, so that was it for today.